Welcome back to another episode of The Authors Unite Show. Here's your host, Tyler Wagner. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Authors Unite Show. Today, I have Jamie Shapiro with us. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here. Of course. Grateful to have you on. So if you can kick us off and tell us a little bit more about you and what you do. So I am an executive coach, but I take a a unique perspective on executive coaching. I integrate well-being as the foundation of all leadership performance. So when I work with clients and teams, what I do is what I call full body leadership, meaning I'm not focused on what's between your ears only. I'm really integrating the full body in that perspective. Gotcha. Okay. I, I, I love that because I feel like there's people that do one or the other, but I've actually never heard of somebody that does like both, like a full approach like that. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. So, so is it kind of like, do you dive into their health as well? Oh yeah. I okay. for everything from nutrition to mindful leadership to what we call embodied leadership, everything from exercise to movement to executive presence. It's really integrating every aspect of being a person, right? We, we spend so much time talking about ourselves separately, personally and professionally, and we're one person. So my approach is to integrate all of those things. And there is a ton of research around how well-being enhances leadership performance. But what we're seeing is that we're not integrating it into the coaching model, which it really needs to be, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think health should be the first thing. I mean, it, it's kind of difficult to be a good leader if you yourself are not, I don't know, healthy. <laughs> and I guess healthy means different things depending on, how, you know, like optimized and stuff like that. But um, so, so when somebody works with you is, is like one of the first things you would do is maybe like a blood test or something to like, see where all their stuff is at. Is that kind of part of it or? Yeah. So, you know, I have a couple different ways that I work with people. Sometimes I work with teams and sometimes I work with an individual. And when I'm working with an individual, we start in what I call discovery, which is all about understanding them, not only from a leadership perspective, but a personal perspective. And then I do a full well-being assessment, which does, as you alluded to, include blood work. Um, But I'm looking at well-being from four different perspectives. I'm looking at physical well-being. I'm looking at mental well-being, emotional well-being, and then um, really spirit, meaning fulfillment, what connects you to something greater than yourself, what, what are your core values? So I'm looking at all of those different aspects of well-being. I'm not just looking at, hey, here's an evaluation of physical health. It's all of those aspects and then how they translate into effective leadership. Got it. So let's, uh, let's go back to the origin. So like, how did you kind of discover this or decide to create this? It really was birthed out of my own corporate experience. I spent 16 plus years in the corporate world and I had fabulous executive coaches, but they weren't focused on that layer down, which is where I really needed help. They weren't asking me questions around how was I managing my stress? What was I doing about my crazy travel schedule? How was that impacting my personal life? How was that impacting my relationships at work? It was so focused on strategy and communication and execution. And I felt like there was this huge gap and I've always had a deep passion and um, I do have an education in psychology, but I always had this deep passion around psychology, 
but when I was in the corporate world, I was actually, I was an IT executive, believe it or not. So I really switched gears. When I left the corporate world, I knew I wanted to bring something different to executive coaching. And I went back to school for several years um, before I started my company about a decade ago. And I not only got my education in executive coaching, but I also got um, certified as a nutritionist because I really wanted to make sure I was integrating these worlds of well-being and leadership. And so I've been practicing for about a decade and now I'm back in school again because I think I'm just a continuous learner. I love learning yeah. and, and growing myself. So now I'm back in school again. <laughs> no, that's and what are you back in school for now? I'm getting um, a PhD in positive organizational psychology and awesome. really trying to understand, um, you know, as I said, we have all this information, all this research around the connections between leadership and well-being, but we're not seeing this applied universally across business. So I'm really in school to study how organizations can really become places of human flourishing. Mm. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so two things, one actually, and this is just a side note for after I may, uh, connect you with somebody, one of my previous clients, he actually runs a company called the, it's called the human company. And nice. you, you guys, you guys might be aligned. It seems yeah, it sounds <laughs> like we're very aligned. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, um, the other thing j just to mention, I'm not sure if you've seen his work, but, uh, have you heard of Jordan Peterson before? He's I... a, he Don't wrote this book. It's called so. 12 Rules for Life. He's a Canadian psychologist. Oh, nice. Um, it, you might be interested in him. He, he has a lot of like YouTube videos and stuff and just... Um, I don't know. He breaks down a lot of stuff. And I, I've actually uh, recently started to increasingly get interested in psychology, just kind of from uh, watching and learning from him. So um, either way, just side note on two of those things. You might be interested. Yeah, thank you. I will um, definitely look him up. Awesome. So um, and then you wrote this uh, book called Brilliant. Uh, wh when did you publish this? Uh, just in 2020, March oh. of 2020. Oh, okay. Very cool. Very recent. Okay. Yes. Um, what was that? So, you know, because our, a lot of our listeners, they're either already authors or aspiring authors. What was the process like for you from like starting all the way from like book idea to writing Ooh. it, publishing it, and now you're obviously in the marketing phase of it? Yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting story. So um, I'll start from the beginning. One of the things that I knew I wanted to do is once I had enough experience under my belt, I wanted to share. I wanted to share the tools that I use with my clients. I wanted to share some of their stories and how they've implemented the tools. And I wanted to share more about this connection between leadership and well-being and how we're seeing it practiced and the benefits of it. And so when I first started this book, I had this interesting story that I was not a writer, that I was only a speaker, and that I was unable to write. And I told myself that story for a very long time, and I did not write my book because of it. Um, and then I met an incredible um, coach and publisher who I got connected with, and I talked to her and I said, Hey, you know, I don't think I'm a fit for your publishing company because I'm not a writer and I have this book, but I, I'm not a writer and I need someone else to help me write the book. And she said to me, um, that story is not really working for you. I know you're a writer. <laughs> if you can speak, you can write. And I think you have this book in you and I want to help you get it out. 
And so without her, without having that catalyst, that coach, that person that believed in me, and more importantly, the person that got me out of my own way, because yeah. the story I was telling myself was just not real. Um, in coaching, we call that the saboteur, the self-critic. It's, it's that part of you that gets in the way of your best self. And I had that, even though this is what I do for a, a living, I didn't realize that I was getting my own way. And, and it took a, an amazing coach to help me see that and to move me out of my own way. And as soon as she did that and really helped me with the structure, my book came pouring out of me. Um, and it was joyful, believe it or not, to write, which I never thought I would say. If you would have asked yeah. me two years ago, is it joyful to write? I would have told you, no, it'll be the death <laughs> of me. Um, and it's just amazing how when we shift our perspective and we have someone who sees our best, how we can really emerge differently. And I was lucky enough to work with just an amazing woman, an amazing company um, to help me with that. Awesome. And, and uh, you, you don't have to mention the name, but just, it seems like you had a good experience. So I, if you want to, you can, maybe our listeners. I would love to. Yeah, yeah go ahead. You're it's a Modern Wisdom Press. Okay. And it, her name, my coach's name is Catherine. And I cannot say enough amazing things about her. Okay. Awesome. That, yeah. Just cause you know, our listeners might be uh, interested. So that's perfect. Yes. I'm glad, I'm glad here was a good experience as well. And um, having that support, I think is really important for the process. Did, did you have, I I'm, I'm assuming you did, but I'm just curious, like what was your, um, take on like the editing process? How, how did you like that part of it? Um, the editing process I think is actually harder than writing the book in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I had a lot of editors. I had a lot of eyes on my book, which was super helpful and super painful. Uh, it truly made my book so, so much better having so many different people help and edit it. But it's hard. I think when you produce this thing that's a part of your soul, getting it slashed backwards and forwards is sometimes a tough process. And, and you have to be open-minded and you have to be willing to say, okay, this is a different perspective and it makes my book even better. And I think sometimes when you get into the editing process, if you don't have the right attitude around it, it can be really hard. But if every edit you get back, you can say to yourself, this is going to make it better. This is going, and you keep saying, this is going to make it better. That's going to allow you to take the right perspective, to take in that amazing feedback and to keep evolving your piece of work. Yeah, no, I'm so glad you said that because that that is... It's a big eye opener for a lot of people. Like when they're finished writing their rough draft, they think like they're done and then they get the developmental edit back and it's like, oh, you oh, just started. <laughs> I know you've only just begun. And that's really scary to hear if you're just starting your book. So don't yeah. <laughs> fast forward too much, right? I, I think that's really important is don't think about that process. Just think about pouring your book out of you. Yeah. And that is such a huge accomplishment. And once you get past that part, even though the editing process is hard, like the real work has been done as you have gotten that book out of you. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important not to get too far ahead of yourself. Cause if you start thinking about, oh, I've got to do this and I've got to edit and then I need to send it, just don't go there. Just let yeah. the book come out of you first and then get into the editing side. Pretend like there's no editing process whatsoever until after I that agree. book comes out. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And just allow the book to come out of you and don't worry about like the, the structure and just like let it come out and then yes. worry about the next step after. Um, well, cool. So I'm glad it was a good experience. Let's uh, let's dive deeper into the book um, just okay. from some of your ch chapter titles. Um, some questions are coming up. So 
for your in chapter three, it's, it says, listen to your inner wisdom to discover your vision and value. So I guess first question on that is, do you have any tips on like, like how to listen to your inner wisdom? Yeah, it's, it's such a great question. So one of the things we tend to do as human beings is we go to our head a lot versus our gut and our heart. And the cool thing about our heart and our gut is we have more neurons there than we actually do in our brain. And so what I really encourage people to do, if you're trying to listen to your inner wisdom, I ask people to drop into their bodies. And what I mean by that is find some stillness, find some calm, find some quiet, and learn to be in that space more. And so one of the tools that I provide in my book and that I actually provide for free on my website, um, connectedec.com, is a guided visualization for connecting into your, your vision. And it's really just a guided visualization that helps you drop into the body, helps you be in that silence and just listening to a visualization to help you really discover that vision for yourself. But I firmly believe in the practice of meditation and reflection and gratitude. All of those things are really helpful for really connecting into our best selves and bringing forward our vision. Mm -hmm. So is it, is it, it's almost like a meditative practice, maybe something similar. It really to, is. Yeah, yeah. I, I am. I'm referring to meditation and the only distinction I'm making is um, you can do meditation in several different ways. You can have a completely silent practice. You can have a guided visualization. You can use reflection and writing. Like there's a lot of different ways to create um, a mindfulness practice. And so I'm just recommending a couple different tools here. Gotcha. And is this, um, I guess, how often, like, is this part of like your morning routine or is it in times it where, okay, morning routine, gotcha. Yeah, it's part of my morning routine, but I firmly be believe in understanding the neuroscience of change and specifically behavioral change and that we need to start small, not large. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I want to start a meditation practice, please do not go out tomorrow and sit for 30 minutes and think that's what you need to do. It's really starting small that creates the habits. So when I start clients in meditation, I really start them one minute, three days a week and just building from that because we want to learn the practice and we want to do small things because when we bite off these huge chunks and change, what happens is we often self-sabotage because we can't stay consistent with it. Our brains don't change in these big sweeping changes. So then that negative self-talk gets in the way and we start abusing ourselves because we didn't do that 30 minute meditation and we didn't do whatever we put out there. So I really believe in the small steps of behavioral change and doing one small step and then one small step and then one small step. That's actually how habits are formed, not creating all of this change all at once. Yeah. I that I could not agree with more. I think it's, uh, that's probably the biggest mistake that people make and like with new year's resolutions, like they're just like, Oh, oh I'm going to yeah. work out two hours every morning. <laughs> it's oh. like, well, yeah, that might last a week and then <laughs> it's done. It um, doesn't work. Or people yeah. say, Oh, I just heard this podcast, for example, our podcast right now. And they say, Oh, she meditates every day. I'm going to start meditating every day. Well, it took me years to build up to a daily practice. It's not like I decided to yeah. meditate and all of a sudden every day I started meditating. It was small steps, small incremental steps that created a daily practice for me. And so I think a lot of times we're trying to do something that's just 
our brains aren't wired for that. And so we just have to be careful and we have to be compassionate. One of my favorite quotes I've heard, and I wish I knew who to give credit to, but um, it, it's radical best friendship to self. I love that concept. And I think we have to do a much better job of being our own best friend and being encouraging and celebrating these small steps that we're taking versus abusive because we can't do these big changes. Mm. It could be, it's been years since I've read it, but there's a book called Radical Acceptance by Tara Brock, I think it is. Oh, um, I love Tara. Oh, yeah. fabulous. It's, a, I, I can't remember that maybe that's from her book or maybe it's just- It the, might the, be. The radical she's amazing. <laughs> I don't know. I've but, learned so much. I don't know her personally, but I have yeah. learned a lot from, from her. Me her too. Team. Yeah, it's a game, game changer book right there. Yeah. Um, so, so let's talk about eating the right food that that's okay. definitely perking my curiosity. So the next chapter, and we won't, you know, go right down the line chronological for everything, but it's um, like, what, what should we be eating? Is it, is it different per person or like, how, how did you discover this stuff? So I, I am a nutritionist, so I did go to school for two years and mm -hmm. study this. Um, but my perspective is really what I call um, being a qualitarian. I'm all about eating real food and understanding that we're all biochemically different, meaning we all process foods differently. So what you eat is different than what I'm gonna eat. So Tyler, you might be able to digest dairy, but I might not be able to. And one of the mistakes we're seeing a lot in nutrition is people will try a program and they're like, oh my gosh, this works great for me. It should work for everyone. That's just not true. Um, and so I am all about creating lifestyles, not diets. And I really firmly believe in balance, meaning it's not all or nothing. I don't believe in restrictive diets. I believe in eating quality, real food and listening to your body. We have become so focused on external cues versus internal cues when it comes to nutrition. And we spend thousands of years eating without people telling us what to eat, right? And now we're in a, a situation where everybody's telling us what to eat and how to eat it and who, you know, eat right for this, eat right for that. And I, I think you've got to listen to yourself. You are your wisest self. So if we can listen to how our body feels, what our energy is like, what is our emotion like, how's our immune system doing, all of these things that are indicators of what foods we should be eating that are right for our body, that's really my philosophy. I am not gonna sit there and say, these are the only foods you should eat and you've gotta follow this diet or you've gotta follow that diet. I just, I don't think there's um, wisdom in that. I think the wisdom really comes internally and just starting to focus on what are real foods because I don't think you can be wise if you're not eating real food. And unfortunately our American food system is full of not real food. Uh, believe it or not, there's wood, there's petroleum, there's coal, there's all kinds of crazy things in our food system that we are not meant to eat and, and, and digest. So I'm all about simple, easy, understandable ingredients and eating that and learning from your body what you should be eating. Yeah, I love that. I think it's, it is definitely different for um, each person. It, it's so weird how different everybody really is too. There's this new diet going around. I, you may have heard of it. It's called like the lion diet. Or oh like my goodness. No, I, there, you've actually mentioned a diet. Never heard of what is it? Really? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So oddly enough, this actually ties to 
Uh, yeah, I'm curious on your thoughts on this. So this ties to that psychologist, the Canadian psychologist I was telling you about. Yes. Um, apparently, so him and his daughter, they have like these autoimmune disorders. Mm -hmm. And apparently they're like, and, and, you know, I don't know exactly. So everybody listening, like some of the terminology I'm using might be incorrect, <laughs> but like, I, I believe it's autoimmune disorders and they're very allergic to a lot of foods. A lot of foods give them inflammation. And what they came to conclude literally like all they eat is like steak like they eat steak water and salt and they insane to me yeah no no it's it sounds it seems insane sound and like but they i think they've been doing it for a few years and they feel much better their blood results are much better like they they but these other foods like even vegetables which i didn't know how that was possible apparently like, you know, gluten, vegetables, all these different types of things were giving them inflammation. Some were, they were giving them anxiety, depression. They were going through all these things. And um, the, the carnivore diet or lion diet, as they call it, has, has apparently worked for them um, thus far. The thing that I think about, though, is I wonder, like, you know, if you're if you only eat meat, maybe it's good for like a year or two. But like, I, what about 20 years? you know, like that might be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there are so many nutrients our body needs. And yeah. while high quality meat is going to have some of the nutrients we need, um, particularly some of the good fats we need and some of the amino acids that we need, there yeah. are a lot of nutrients that you're going to be missing out on from only eating steak, right? Yeah. Even different animals have different nutrient panels. So, yeah. uh, the reason that doesn't sound very good to me is because our bodies need diversity um, yeah. and they need diversity. Like think about back in the day, if you ever watched, I don't, I don't know how old you are, but I watched Sesame street and they would talk about oh, yeah, the rainbow. <laughs> um, there's real nutritional science behind eating the rainbow. Um, so there are phytonutrients in plants. And while I understand that, you know, they're, they're fighting inflammation. And so they have to do things differently. Um, anytime you're eating only one thing, you're not getting the full nutrition panel you should be. Mm. So that would be my concern there. Um, again, you have to do what's right for your body. And I, again, even though I'm a nutritionist, I really firmly believe that you're the expert of your body and our nutritional science is pretty far behind where it should be. So while I might think that's not something I would do or something that makes sense to me, it doesn't mean that it's wrong, right? I mean, that's, everybody has to do what's right for them. And so if that's what's working for them and their nutrient panel and their blood work is all looking great and they feel great, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, I, I would want to do a heck of a lot more research in order to validate whether that is true or not. Yeah. Yeah. If it's, if you're curious about it, definitely check it out. I know Joe, Joe Rogan actually did an experiment where he did it for 30 days and apparently he felt good, but like 30 days, isn't, it's not a long enough marker for like what the long-term effects are. Um, I, I don't think I, so. What about on the flip side? Like, what, what do you think about like vegetarian and like vegan? It's interesting. Again, you know, there's some really interesting research that's coming out on all these different things. Um, the thing you have to be careful of, and, and I'm a firm believer in plant foods specifically because of the phytonutrients that are in plants. And we don't, we're just beginning to understand all the phytonutrients that are in plants and all, and how these interact with our body. But I do believe in eating a lot of different kinds of plant foods, um, particularly ones that work with your body. Um, 
and I think there's a lot of um, wonderful nutrients that come from that. However, there are also nutrients that are missing when you eat only plants. So I think for people, especially if you're vegan, you just need to be cautious of what are the nutrients that might be missing from my diet, whether it's zinc or B12, you just really wanna pay attention to that and make sure that you're supplementing and that you're getting those nutrients from somewhere else. Gotcha, yeah. So I'm curious, and we can skip over this if you want, but just cause you, you mentioned the zinc thing, so it, it kind of triggered it. Like, do you have any recommend, like, do you know anything about this COVID-19? Do you have any recommendations for people just cause we're going through it right now and like, I've been hearing, you know, vitamin D, zinc, like that stuff can really help. But uh, yeah, or- so if you think about immune function, and I am not an expert on COVID-19, so I, I'm yeah. going to leave this to the scientists out there to <laughs> speak sure, into. Sure. But if you're talking about immune health, um, really making sure that you're eating high quality foods because our immune system, 70% of it comes from our gut. So be aware that what you put in your body as far as food is concerned is going to impact your immunity. Um, and people don't usually make that tie and that link, but the health of our gut matters, not only oh, for yeah. the health of our entire body and our immune system, but also our brain. And then also what you said, vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, these are all really good things that boost immunity. Um, so those are good things to think about, but be careful and cautious when you're thinking about vitamins and look at quality. Don't just grab any type of vitamin think about quality and what's included in those vitamins. Um, just like I talk about food, vitamins are in that same category. We want to make sure we're not getting extra things in our vitamin C or in our D or in any other vitamin we choose to take. Yeah. And I, I can definitely attest to the, to the gut health. I actually, it's about eight months ago, I was having like serious stomach problems. And then I, uh, I literally had gone to the hospital a few times because of it. Cause it was, it was that bad. And then I uh, hired a doctor, got my blood work done, and then it turned out that I'm gluten intolerant. Yeah. And I I actually had um, like candida in my stomach or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was. Cr- I'd never even heard of. It. I'd never even heard of that word before. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. Either so, but either way, he got me on a probiotic, and then I removed gluten from my diet, and like within 30 to 45 days, like the pain went away, stomach felt like yeah. life changed dramatically. Life Yes, we are really just learning about the gut microbiome and all the research that's coming out. And it's really a fascinating subject. It's probably too much to get into here, but (laughs) gut health is really, really a fascinating topic. And we are learning so, so much right now about it. Yeah, they say your don't they say your gut's like your second brain or something or your first brain? Something like that. Um so let's let's talk about raising your your EQ because I think um, this is something that I think is really important and a lot of people, especially in today's world where like we're more and more connected than we've ever been and I think it's only going to become more increasingly so, um, at least connected online I guess now with everything that's going on with uh, with with the uh, virus. But you know either way, um, more connected. So you have a chapter called raise your IQ through mindful leadership. So how would somebody raise their E or EQ, excuse me? Yeah. Um, well, the interesting thing is that we used to not talk about EQ, emotional intelligence, and now we talk about it all the time and it being twice as important as IQ when it comes to leadership. 
And the cool thing about EQ is we can grow our EQ through very intentional practices. And EQ is all about understanding ourselves, understanding our others, uh, understanding others, and then also understanding the situation we're in, environmental factors. And one of the best, most influential ways to expand your emotional intelligence is through a practice of meditation. And let me explain what I mean. And I'm specifically, when I'm talking about a meditation practice, I am talking about mindfulness and mindful meditation. And the reason this expands EQ so much is when you take on a practice of mindful meditation, you are really expanding the space between stimulus and response, meaning you're expanding the space between when something happens to you and how you choose to respond. Through meditation, I firmly believe that we become masters of our own mind and we decide what thoughts we wanna give energy to, what thoughts we wanna take action from. And we learn that we can become the masters of our minds and that we don't have to be a victim to our minds, meaning we don't have to think it and therefore we act on it. We can create space between when something happens to us, when something's said to us and how we choose to respond. And meditation is the gift, in my opinion, that helps expand that. Mm. So let's, uh, to, to go deeper into that, into leadership, uh, culture seems to be something that, at least in my world, and maybe it's just from the interviews I've been doing, um, seems to be something that's being more and more talked about. So how, uh, any tips on like creating a community and a work culture um, inside your corporation or, you know, whatever type of business it is? Yeah, it's such a great question. And yes, culture is so, so important um, in an organization. And I'm someone who really believes, and I have a uh, a love for business. And the reason I love businesses so much is that I believe they're communities and that we have the power to create such healthy communities inside these businesses. And it is, it has to be intentional. It takes a lot of work, but it is absolutely possible. And when we shift our thinking away from, these are just businesses where people work to these are actual communities of people that we can influence and create places of flourishing, it's a different perspective. So um, I like to think about each organization and, and what is the culture they are trying to, to create? And then looking at all the aspects that we talked about right from the beginning, like how do we create cultures where people are physically well? How do we create cultures where people are emotionally well? How about, you know, intellectually, cognitively, like, so really thinking about how do we focus on the human first and the profits will follow. And I absolutely foundationally have looked at the research. When we focus on people, the profits follow. When we focus mm -hmm. on profits and we sacrifice the people, businesses fail. So I think it's all about putting people first. I think more and more businesses are focused on that now, especially in this era that we're dealing with right now. Um, and, and I do see a fundamental shift happening across organizations around putting people first. Yeah, yeah. I, I um, with that, I feel like it's, it's almost like something that is like within my nature. Like I, I just feel like companies and just people in general, you should people always come first because if you focus on people, then it, everything takes care of itself. And even if you, if you wanted to make more money, 
it might like where does money come from you know like it comes from people so you know like you should focus on people whether it's like it's in your organization but then also outside and i think what's almost i mean you should want to do it regardless but with how like the whole review system online you know like leaving a google review or podcast review whatever it is it's almost like our system is forcing us to do the right things which i think is a is a good thing um, but either way, I just feel like to simplify things, if you focus on people, everything else kind of takes care of itself. Couldn't so, agree more. Couldn't agree more. Um, so cool. Well, look, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, uh, if there's anything else you want to share, I want to leave the floor to you. And then also please, um, provide us like a website where people can grab the book, social media, uh, however people can stay in contact with you. Excellent. Well, um, my website is connectedec.com and I have a ton of free resources there. You can buy the book on that website as well. But I, my intention of writing this book was really to give all the resources I had and I used to anyone who wanted them. And um, so there's tons of stuff on my website for free. You don't even have to buy the book. And um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, that's probably the place I spend the most time from a social media standpoint. Uh, I don't have a, a big presence on any other uh, social media site, but you can definitely find me on LinkedIn. Perfect. I'm a huge LinkedIn guy as well. So okay. <laughs> I'm with you there. I'm not LinkedIn, the only one. <laughs> no, LinkedIn is the best, I think. I, uh, I, for, I really <laughs> like it. <laughs> uh, well, thanks again for coming on the show, Jamie. Thanks, Tyler. The Authors Unite show is sponsored by AuthorsUnite.com. Your one-stop shop for becoming a profitable author and maximizing your impact.